Hello, novelists and novelistas. Welcome to mile five of the Novel Marathon. The show is called Novel Marathon because a marathon has 26 miles, and this podcast is going to have 26 episodes published over the course of a year. You can expect a new one roughly every two weeks. During that year, we'll write the first draft of an 80,000-word novel. We'll be reading three craft books, The One-Year Novelist by Ellen Lilly, Story Genius by Lisa Cron, and This Year You Write Your Novel by Walter Mosley. The show is basically a self-directed bi-weekly class, and like any class, there will be assignments and readings, which we'll discuss in each episode. You'll find details in the show notes. I'm the undercover novelist. Like you, my goal is to complete a novel in a year. I'll be your cheerleader and pacemaker for this long distance race. The assignment for today was to read chapter 7 and 8 of The One Year Novelist and chapter 8 of Story Genius. We'll recap the main ideas today. And while we're at it, let's talk about homework. Your required reading for next time is... Chapter 9 and 10 in The One-Year Novelist. For extra credit, please also check out Chapter 6 of Story Genius. And remember, everyone has to run a marathon at their own pace. So, if you're new to the show or you need to catch up, just start with Episode 1 or go back to the episode where you left off, do the readings listed in the show notes, complete the writing prompts in the chapters, and jog along at your own pace. In this marathon, all that matters is that you keep going and you finish, not how long it took you to get there. Let's recap. Between now and last time, you were asked to come up with a few different three-quarter twists, aka a turn at the three-quarter point of your novel that takes the story in a new and often unexpected direction. Unlike the twist at the one-quarter point, the three-quarter turn arises directly from the protagonist's commitment at the midpoint. Quoting Alan Lilly. The example from Pride and Prejudice was the moment Elizabeth received a distressing letter and revealed to Darcy that her younger sister has run away with no good Mr. Wickham. This development threw a wrench into Elizabeth's budding romance with Darcy and took the story in an unexpected direction. So how did it go in your own writing? Were you able to dream up a few different possible three-quarter twists? As always, my advice is to go for quantity instead of quality in the first brainstorming session. So if you have trouble settling on the right idea, set yourself the challenge to come up with five ideas, no matter how far-fetched they might seem. If you free up your mind and give yourself permission to imagine all kinds of possibilities, you'll be surprised what you may come up with. As far as I'm concerned, I now have a few ideas for three-quarter twists in my notebook, which I like. And I have to say, it makes me feel better about embarking on writing this novel because I actually know where it's going, at least in broad brushstrokes. I find that less intimidating than sitting down to write thousands of words without having any idea of where the path is leading. So I guess the exercise worked for me. Same for the climax. I have enough ideas for the ending now that I'm confident that I can resolve the story. I'm still toying with a few possibilities, but that's okay. 
You gotta keep it interesting, and I still like to preserve a little sense of discovery. The most important part is that I know I can figure it out because I've thought about it and I have a few options in mind. As for chapter 8 in Story Genius, which is all about the story problem or conflict, I did a little free writing for each question in the chapter to figure out whether mine was strong enough. As a reminder, the questions to ask yourself are, can the problem build? Can your core conflict get more complicated as the book goes on? Is there a big, scary, negative consequence if the main character doesn't take action? Is there a clear-cut deadline, a ticking clock counting down to that consequence? Is your conflict or plot problem forcing inner change in the protagonist? Will the story problem's impending consequence force your protagonist to struggle with their misbeliefs? And if they don't change their approach, will it cost them big? If the answers to all of these questions are yes, then congratulations, my friends, you are well on your way. So much for the recap. Next, let's talk about the required reading for next time, chapter 9 and 10 of the one-year novelist. I have great news for you. Remember the days when you thought there would be a math quiz and then the copy machine in the teacher's lounge jammed or your math professor's 1987 Yugo broke down or there was a fire drill just before third period and it turned out there was no quiz after all. Well, I'm happy to report that you have no homework for next time. Chapter 9 in the one-year novelist is about taking a sweet, sweet break and chapter 10 is just review. Use it to catch up, put your novel in progress away for a couple days, and then come back with fresh eyes. Reread your conflict, one-quarter twist, strong midpoint, three-quarter turn, and climax. Do they still make sense? Anything you don't like and want to change? Now is the time to make any tweaks you like. And you know what? All this free time means that you should definitely do some extra credit reading on the side. See what I did there? I am, of course, talking about chapter six in Story Genius. In this chapter, you're going deep, deep into the mind of your main character. There's a 1966 science fiction movie called Fantastic Voyage set during the Cold War, which seems strangely relevant these days. It's about a miniaturized submarine that is injected into a scientist's bloodstream in order to remove a deadly blood clot. However, the submarine crew only has 60 minutes to complete the task before they and the ship return to their normal size. Talk about a ticking clock. But that's not the reason I bring up this example. Rather, I want you to imagine that you are piloting a miniature submarine to your protagonist's brain where you're able to observe all her hopes, all her long-held beliefs about herself and the world, whether right or wrong, and her reasons for acting the way she does. As the author, you have access to our main character's innermost thoughts. What's going on inside their head? Your job is to show us so we can see the world through your protagonist's eyes. Also, and I hate to break it to you, but there is no objective reality, at least not in fiction, although some philosophers might disagree. But just humor me for a minute. We are all unique beings with unique histories, unique predispositions, courtesy of our genetic inheritance, and unique circumstances and experiences. How we interpret the world is a product of that unique lens. 
Your protagonist is no different. She had very specific and totally unique life experiences before your novel starts, and she will bring her singular perspective and beliefs to everything that happens to her. Your job as the author is to show us what the events in your book mean to her, not what they mean in general, but what they specifically mean to her because of her specific experiences up to the point when your novel starts. Those are, by the way, the turning points you wrote about when you worked on chapter seven of Story Genius, those key moments when the ground shifted underneath your main character's feet. Now, armed with that knowledge, take us back to the very first moment when somehow everything changed for your protagonist and her central disbelief took hold. In Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth thinks that Darcy is a cold-hearted man Maybe more fundamentally, she believes that romantic love and financial security are incompatible, which automatically is a mark against filthy rich and seemingly conceited Mr. Darcy. Well, when did Elizabeth come up with these ideas? She didn't just come up with them when she met Mr. Darcy. These opinions are deeply rooted in her personality. But when did they first took hold? Was it a conversation with her sisters? A book she read? watching her mother trying to find husbands for her daughters and looking foolish in the process? Imagine you're an actor, you're reading a script, and now you're making up a backstory for your character to explain why she's acting the way she is in the screenplay. There's a reason actors do this. That backstory, those formative moments, they harbor the narrative energy that ultimately powers their performance and their actions in the film. What is that formative moment for your protagonist? Write it down. Chapter six of Story Genius by Lisa Cron culminates in an exercise where you are asked to do just that, ideally in the first person, which ensures that you are fully in the driver's seat of your protagonist's innermost thoughts and that you're looking at the world through her eyes, trying to understand the precise moment when her worldview shifted. So, I lied, there is some homework after all, but I would argue that this is a relatively easy exercise, especially after all the work you have done up to this point. You already know your character. You thought about what faulty beliefs they might harbor about herself, her friends and family and about the world. So now all you need to do is play shrink and detective and figure out what happened to your main character that gave them their unique and slightly screwed up worldview. I'm talking about the slightly screwed up worldview that all of us have, by the way, which makes us unmistakably human. Your main character has to be human too, not a cardboard cutout. Show us their history and document in a first person scene, the very moment when they lived through an experience that instilled in them a belief or a theory, which is entirely subjective and pretty much totally incorrect, and which they will need to spend the entire novel painfully digging their way out of. And that's it for today. If you have trouble keeping track of which chapter we're on and what the homework is, I have good news for you. You can get all that info in a handy dandy newsletter. Subscribe to the newsletter by going to the website novelmarathon.com, scroll down and enter your email address in the newsletter subscription box, and I'll send you a cheat sheet with the assignments every two weeks when the show comes out. Also, if you find this podcast useful and it's helping you with your work in progress, 
consider rating or leaving a review for the show. That's one of the best ways for others to find the podcast. I'll put the link in the show notes. Next time, we'll talk about subplots, point of view, and mini arcs. I'm the undercover novelist, and this was Smile 5 of the Novel Marathon. Happy reading, happy writing, and I'll talk to you soon.